Good morning, Bethel family. I'm so glad you're here today. And I hope that you have your copy of God's Word, and we're just going to get right to it today and jump into God's Word together. And we're today on the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. As we're continuing a series of messages through the book of Acts, we're in chapter number 16. We're talking about the ministry of the resurrected Christ, how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, continues to do His work in and among God's people, establishing His kingdom, spreading the gospel, establishing churches, seeing disciples made, and using God's people in powerful ways to change the world. Acts chapter number 16. God has a plan for you. He wants to use you. God can take you, He can take you and use you in the context where we live today to change the world for good. How many of you believe that? Tell your neighbor, you can, be a, you can be a world changer. You can. And it happens one person at a time. It happens one person at a time, one encounter in time. It, it makes a difference. Yesterday, I was, went to Kohl's. Anybody ever been there before? Well, I had Kohl's cash, needed burnt. It's a gimmick. So I walked out a few, many dollars lighter. I didn't know jeans cost so much. It's ridiculous. And so the, the, the gal checking me out, that sounded bad, didn't it? <laughs> the lady at the register. <clears throat> We just struck up a conversation, and, and there wasn't a big line behind me. It wasn't a long wait in the line, and so I just talked with her, and I, she had a little bit of an accent. I said, well, wh now, where are you from? She said, well, I'm from Texas. How did you know? My accent gave me away. I said, yes, because, and also she served me. She said, yes, sir, no, sir, like 15 times, and so I knew she was from somewhere in the South, and so... We just began to talk, and still nobody behind me, nobody in the line. I'm looking at that. And finally, I said, I just want to ask you a question. Do you have a church? Where do you, you live close by? She goes, yeah, I live in Madison. I said, well, that's close by. I said, do you have a church home? She goes, well, uh, yes, we do. My, my husband's in the Army, and uh, we moved around a good bit, and we met when he was in Fort Hood. And she uh, just... Wonderful African American woman, and I was talking with her about this, and and she said we go to a certain church, and I said, well, you know, the real question I want to ask you is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? She looked at me and she said, without a doubt, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I said, man, that just blesses my heart. And she said, don't tell anybody, but I'm a missionary in this place for the gospel of Jesus. <laughs> That is what God has called all of us to do. Missions isn't just something where we go. Missions is who we are. We are missionaries today where we live. In your bulletin today, you'll find a card, and that card we'll use in the response later, asking you to consider making a commitment to be on mission. Now, look with me to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with verse number 6. 
And they went to the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that her hope of, their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate customs were not lawful for us Romans to accept. And the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely, having received this order. He put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. 
And he brought them out. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he spoke to the, and he took them that same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Father, speak to us today. Speak to us through this passage and through these events in the life of Paul and Silas and your early church and your missionaries. And then, Father, confront us in our own sin. And then, Father, compel us to be on mission doing what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're filling in the blanks for the outline today, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the answers now because there's no telling if we'll get done or not. Number one, the Lord opens the door of mission advance. That's a great truth we look here. I've titled this, The Lord Opens, and He does. Notice how He opens again and again. He's opening the door for mission advance. Secondly, He opens the door of hearts to the gospel. Thirdly, He opens the door of liberty to those in spiritual captivity. And the Lord opens the door of freedom to those in the midst of suffering and trials. And then the Lord opens the door of salvation for, to families of faith, to salvation for families of faith. Paul's continuing his second missionary journey. And after the Jerusalem council, he and Barnabas come down with others and Silas and uh, Judas and, 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 and many others, and they make their way, Titus, they make their way to the church at Antioch. And after a little while, Paul says, let's go back and encourage and strengthen the churches that we went to on the first missionary journey. And Barnabas said, that's great, but I'd like for us to take John Mark with us. John Mark, you know, is his nephew. John Mark, he has an affection for him. John Mark had failed on the first missionary journey and quit part of the way through and turned tail and went home and abandoned Paul. And Paul hadn't forgotten it and still was a sore subject with Paul. And Paul said, no, we're not taking quitter boy over here with us on the journey. And Barnabas said, no, I, we need to take him. He said, no, no I'm not going. He, he said, and you know what? It just became such a rift. We now have two missionary teams. And so Paul uh, says, I'll take Silas or Silvanus, and I'll take Silas with me, and we're going to go up into Cilicia and into Asia Minor and visit South Galatia and wherever the Lord leads us. And Barnabas said, then we're going to go, um, we're going to go to Sicily. And so, uh, uh, so as I mean to Cyprus. And so we're going to go to Cyprus. And so. John Mark and Barnabas go to Cyprus, and Paul goes on his adventure. As he's on this venture, he's going to the different churches, and they traveled by foot, and uh, mostly. And uh, they, 
they make their way around the Mediterranean on foot, and they're going up into Cilicia, and you can look at your maps in the Bible uh, later today, or you can follow along now, but it's, uh, uh, and, and then they probably go to Tarsus, his hometown, where they're refreshed, and then they go to Derby and to Lystra along the coast in the South Galatian region. And when they arrive at Lystra, they there are, are greeted and welcomed by the church, and, and among those that greet them is a woman, and her name is Eunice, and Eunice was just a lovely and delightful woman, a great woman of faith, and her mother, who also, this Jewish woman, this Jewish, two Jewish women, and her name is Lois, and she's a woman of great faith as well. And so he's welcomed them and received, and, and great hospitality shown to him. And then they have a son, and Eunice's son is a teenage young man, and his name is Timothy. And Timothy's father was a Greek, and Paul just fell in love with Timothy, and Timothy had an affection for Paul and wanted to learn, study under him. And after spending some time there with him, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, why don't you come with us, Tim, and follow with us? Now, Timothy had never been circumcised. His mother's Jewish, and so he's part Jewish. It's different than Titus, who's completely Greek, and Paul refused to have him circumcised because that would undermine the gospel. But he knows that it would hurt fellowship and witness for Timothy not to be circumcised, and Timothy agreed to undergo circumcision so he could follow Christ. Now, that might cut down how many people go on mission trips if we had to do that. So, uh, Tim agrees that he's going to go on uh, with Paul on this trip, and he becomes really, he becomes Paul's son in the ministry. Timothy had witnessed Paul's trials and sufferings and persecution. You remember what happened at Lystra? Remember how they turned on Paul? We, studied, we looked at this uh, a couple weeks ago. Remember how at Lystra they were calling him gods, and then they turned on him and took uh, Saul and threw rocks at him and beat him to left him for dead, and he got up and went back? That's at Lystra. Timothy witnessed Paul being literally stoned to death, left for dead. But Tim said, yes, I want to go. And I want to follow Jesus Christ on mission with God. Isn't that an amazing story? So Tim goes with him, and they make their way trying to go to where the next mission point's going to be. You would think they would head to Ephesus, but, but no, he doesn't go that direction. And then you might think that he, he uh, well, as a matter of fact, they had a struggle. And the Lord, this is the first point, the Lord opens doors of mission advance. You see, God's got his plan. And did you know that your plan's not always God's plan? Notice with me in verse number 6, <clears throat> chapter 16, we traveled through the Phrygian and Galatian region. Notice verse 6, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So we're not talking about the continent of Asia, but we're talking about the province of the Roman province of Asia, in what is now Turkey. And so they're, 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 they're prohibited. And then they said, well, we'll go up north, up to Bithynia, to the northern part of Galatia. But the doors closed there, and they're prohibited and forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, and after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So they're basically being forced westward toward the sea, 
and they head toward Troas. Folks, I want you to know this is not a few days. This is months of traveling. Doors being closed in the directions they thought they should go. They traveled by foot 400 miles in this circular trip. How long would that take you to walk 400 miles? And there's door closed after door closed after door closed. Now, what, how did they know these doors were closed? Well, it might have been a sense of peace, like I just don't have a peace about going there. Or it could have been trials or expenses or transportation or they need to stop and work. I, I, but it's likely that sickness was part of the problem. Paul had suffered innumerable sicknesses and difficulties. And as a matter of fact, when he makes his way to Troas on the sea, there we pick up that Dr. Luke joins them. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? And so Dr. Luke joins them, and, and, and maybe he's ministered to Paul. Well, we don't know a lot about Luke, except he wrote two of these great, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And notice in the passage of Scripture how the, it turns after they pick up Luke on this, and it, we begin to see the plural. Luke joins the mission trip to Europe. In verse number 10, it talks about this vision, and we sought to go to Macedonia, that God called us to preach the gospel to them. So Dr. Lucas, he joins the mission team with them. God sometimes directs us by closing doors in ways we would never think. Now listen close to me. Some of you have been running into frustration in your life. You got your plan, you got your, what you think, and you've, you, you, you think God ought to act just the way you think, and maybe God's closing a door here so he could redirect you to go somewhere else because he wants to use you in that powerful way. <laughs> Paul writes to the, church, to the Philippians later when he writes them a letter, and he fins up in a Roman prison cell, and from the darkness of Roman prison, he writes these words, I want you to know, brothers, that what happened to me really served to advance the gospel. He said, you know what? It wasn't my plan, but it was God's plan, and God used it to advance the gospel. Isn't that good news? That's the way God works. That's the way he works. He opens doors. Here's the thing. God is good. God is sovereign. God is all wise. God is abundant in the grace that he supplies to meet our every need. And it's sufficient for us. And he's guiding and leading us. Old hymn we used to sing, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth. Leading you. He's guiding you. There's not only closed doors, but there's a revelation that comes to Paul. In the night, he has a dream, a revelation, uh, 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 someone speaking to him. He sees a man, and this man is crying out, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And it leads to a turning point in history because now they're getting ready to go into Europe itself. It's an open door. God's opening the door to go into Europe. 
I, I don't know that that was on Paul's agenda, but all of a sudden, the doors are wide open. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, writing from Ephesus, from Ephesus, he said, a wide door of effective work is opened for me, and there are many adversaries. Well, there was a wide door opening for Paul to go, and it was to go to Europe. The Lord is leading us. The Lord today is still leading. He's leading us. He's leading our church with opportunities. He's opened the door for us. There's a wide, effective, open door that nobody can close. And that door is open for us. And we must not sleep. In this age of an open door, there's never been technology like this. Boggles my mind. You can go, you can, I don't, I am like social media stupid. I tried to do a Facebook Live thing the other day and almost embarrassed myself completely. My parents, a couple of years ago, they were driving back from Maryland. They're in their 80s and they, they, they like Facebook, but... They can't, dad can't hardly see, and they don't understand what they're doing most of the time. And so anyway, and, and I'm just right behind him on the train. But anyway, uh, he turned on Facebook Live, didn't know it. He said, Ruth Ann, I don't know what this thing's doing. And so it's posted and saved, and you can see it still. And anyway, <laughs> the whole conversation they're having in the car from Mary into home about trying to get off Facebook Live. Through technology, we can actually be preaching this message around the world for free. What an amazing thought. Amazing thought. Technology, English, all the world wants to learn English. Americans don't want to learn any other language, but all the world wants to learn English. We can effectively share the gospel almost in every culture. God has blessed our country and us with wealth untold compared to the rest of the world. We have financial resources that allow us to touch the world. God is opening doors. He's opening the doors in places like London. He's opening the doors in places like Iran and Iraq and China and Africa. And the world is being changed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We think that the locust, the citadel of Christianity, is right here in America, and how wrong we are. The southern hemisphere is becoming the center of Christianity. My friends, it's time for us to wake up and be on mission and do what God has called us to do. Amen? He was guiding them. So Luke says, we determined that indeed we are to go to Europe. They make their way over to Europe and eventually to Philippi. Notice with me in verse number 13. And on the Sabbath day, they arrived to Philippi, and there's no uh, synagogue, so they're not going to go to the synagogue. So in verse 13, we went outside the gate to the riverside, supposing there would be a place of prayer. Paul knew that Jewish people or God-fearing people would find some place that they could pray outside of the hustle and bustle of the city. And so on the Sabbath day, they go outside of the gate, and there by uh, the the river that was there, uh, they found a group of women. And they're praying. Now, they would be praying Hebrew prayers. They would be praying, reading Hebrew scriptures. 
There's, these are God-fearing Gentile women. And among them is this woman named Lydia. Now, Lydia is from Thyatira. That's in the Lycus River Valley, near where Colossae is at. She was a seller of fine linen and purple garments or purple dyes. She was a businesswoman. Most scholars believe she was a woman of wealth. She was monotheistic. She believed in one God, not in paganism. She believed in the Jewish law. She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile. But she understood the the values of worshiping one God and knowing him. But there's the question is, can I be saved? And how can I be right with God? And how can I belong to a family of God? And notice how God amazingly does a work in her life. You look at the scripture with me. And so we... Uh, uh, verse number 14, and a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira was a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening, now listen, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken of by Paul. That couldn't be any more theologically true. When you, somebody gets saved, it's the Lord that opens their heart. She is saved by grace through faith. The Lord opens her heart. It wasn't persuasion. persuasion. It wasn't fancy speech. It wasn't rhetoric. It wasn't technique of Paul. It was not oratory. It was not his debate skills. God worked in her heart and in her mind and in her spirit, and he quickened her from death and made her alive in Christ when she put her faith and trust in Chrysostom, one of the church fathers, said the Macedonian man in the vision was really a woman. It was Lydia. The Bible says, Paul writes later, he says in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The gospel comes to all of us. Immediately when she's believed, she wants to be baptized. Look with me in your Bible. You have your Bible. It says, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, if you've judged me faithful, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She was baptized seemingly immediately. She wanted to follow the Lord in baptism. I think somehow she comes to believe in God. She trusts in him. She confesses her faith in Christ. Paul is rejoicing. Silas is rejoicing. She said, what, what do I need to do? They said, well, be baptized. And she goes, well, right there, right, we're right by the river. And he, I think that she just waited right then, this finely dressed woman, businesswoman, well thought of, walks right, wades right into the muddy water of that creek, river. Either Paul or Silas baptized her right there in the name of Jesus Christ. Her life is transformed, and all of a sudden, I think there's a crowd of people going, what is this? Because they weren't used to seeing these kinds of baptisms, and I'm sure she gave her testimony of faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and her servants are watching her, and they're watching the change in her, and watching how God's Spirit, her co-workers and other women of prayer are watching her, and maybe uh, uh, others that she did business with are watching her, and all of a sudden, they said, you know what? I'm a believer too, and they put their faith in Christ, and they got into the waters, and the whole household was saved, and followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Isn't that awesome? And then she prevailed upon us. 
Dr. Luke says she kept saying, well, listen, if you've judged me worthy of a woman of faith and, 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 and all, I want you to come to my house and stay at my house and I'll take care of you. And, and I think they were like, well, we don't. And she goes, no, I insist. The word prevailed. Listen, I insist. And that's the characteristic of salvation. Let, let's stay with me for a minute. When God does a work of salvation in your heart, he puts a desire in your heart to serve him. Somebody else should have said amen. He, there's a desire inside of you to serve and to give and to show hospitality. This was in the church at Philippi. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you alone. He said, you know what? God had done such a work in your heart, you wanted to give and wanted to serve. It's a natural response to salvation. I'll tell you what is unnatural. What's unnatural is to say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't want to be baptized. What is unnatural is to say, I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't want to serve him. What is unnatural is to say, I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't want to use my gifts to bless the world. Generosity is born out of the abundant grace of God. When Jesus changes your heart, he puts in your heart a passion to serve him and to give and to tell others about Jesus Christ. Amen? Number three, he opens the door of liberty to those who are in captivity. Verse number 16, an interesting thing happens. There's not only the conversion of Lydia, but it happened as we were going to the place of prayer. Dr. Luke writes, A slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And she's following after Paul and us, and she kept crying, these men are the bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming you to the way of salvation. Now, that sounds right, right? But no, the source was wrong. She had a demon in her. She continued doing this for many days, and Paul was greatly annoyed. Not at her, but at the demon. He turned and he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. At that very moment, she was set free. Wow. You see, she had this spirit in her. Actually, the word that is used in the Greek for the word spirit is a demon, a name of a demon word, and it's the word that we get to, the word python. And it, the python snake in mythology guarded the temple of Apollo, but Apollo in the mythology had killed the snake. But if somebody had a bad or evil spirit in them, they were called the spirit of Python. This snake lives in them. So you got a demon snake spirit dwelling inside of you. Paul realized the source of it. And even though she was saying these men have the way of salvation, Paul knew that her words were undermining the gospel because it wasn't born in the spirit. It was born in a demon. And he confronts her. Now, this poor, pitiful young girl, he not only confronts the evil spirit in her, but let me tell you even something equally bad, is because she had some level of clairvoyance and craziness about her with this evil spirit, 
Some of her owners were pimping her, prostituting her, and making money off of her to, uh, uh, because of her torment. So Paul confronts her and calls this evil spirit to come out. And I'm telling you, she was set free. God changed her. Christ came in her life, and she's transformed. And you know, I don't, folks, you may know somebody that you feel like that they're filled with an evil spirit. You may feel like they're being held captive. You may feel like that they're being pimped and used by others. But I'm telling you, God in heaven can change a life and change it for all of eternity. That's what he did to this young woman. God can change you. Lord can set you free from whatever holds you. I just can't help it. I just, just can't help it. I just get mad and throw fits. Or I just can't help it. I just I can't forgive. I just can't help it. I have this. No, you can't help it because somebody else is driving your life. But Jesus Christ can set you free. Be the man or woman God called you to be. It's awesome. Amen. I got a letter this week. I don't get a lot of handwritten letters these days. And I got a letter this week, and I opened it up, and it's a man, a young man, that most all of you would not know. He was in this church as a teenager and a child many, many years ago. Not at this location, at the other location. So a long time ago. And he wrote me and he said, Pastor Tim, I wanted to write you and apologize to you for the way I acted and lived and behaved and the things I did. And I know I have one of the worst reputations in all of Troy. He said, and I did terrible things in the church. I did terrible things in my young life. And I've had setbacks and victories in my life. My mother, I've always desired that somehow I could change. He said, you did a funeral recently for one of my family members, my dad. And he said, they let me out of prison to go. And he said, I had a bracelet. And he said, I had other people with me. And he said, but I listened to you preach. And he said, you even talked about how God could set captives free. And I want you to know that I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've asked him to forgive me of all my sins. I'm writing you from a prison, from prison now. And I want you to know I've been reading my Bible. I've been taking theology courses. I've been studying. I need a mentor in my life. I have issues. There's things that happened in my life that have haunted me all of my life. But I'm not asking for anything, but I want you to forgive me, please. And I want, I need a mentor in my life because Jesus Christ is changing my life and setting me free. He writes this from Grand Prison in Hillsboro, Illinois, and I'm going, hallelujah, to God be the glory. Folks, God's still setting captives free. He opens the door of freedom to those in the midst of suffering and persecution. Well, these 
businessmen and slave owners hated what Paul and Silas did and how God used them. They drag them into the marketplace. They accuse them of all kinds of things. And these are two Jewish, the Jewish guys, Paul and Silas. And along with them are Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke's Gentile, and also Timothy, who looks like a Gentile. And so they bring them into the marketplace. They make all these accusations against them and says, these Jews are stirring up trouble, teaching us to do things that aren't right for us as Romans. And, 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 and they, the crowd turns on them, the magistrates turn on them, and the magistrates strip their backs and they take rods. And the magistrates, the word for magistrate is lictors. And, you know, where it's, they, you take a licking, that's where it comes from. They beat them with rods until welts their back, bursts open the skin, blood, they're thrown. They bring the jailer in and says, put these men away. and Make sure that they don't get out. And he throws them in the most secure part of the prison. And he puts them in stocks. And he puts them in bonds. And he closes the prison door. And he locks it up tight. And these men are being held to the next day. Their backs are lacerated. Persecution, by the way, is part of this thing. But something crazy happens inside that prison jail. That tells me that they're not really your normal Baptist people. Now notice what happens. They're in the prison cell. They're there in the darkness. I just imagine the scene. Can you imagine? Maybe Silas goes, Brother Paul? Yeah. How's your back feeling? It hurts. Mine too. <laughs> Brother Paul, yep, how's your legs? He said, they're all cramped up. Got Charlie horses in them. Brother Paul, are you thirsty? I'm thirsty. Brother Paul, yes, Silas. What do you think they're going to do to us? Silas, I don't know, what do you think? He said, ah, they may kill us. He said, if they do, we'll see Jesus, won't we? He said, that's right. He said, Brother Paul, what are we going to do? Can you imagine that conversation going on? And he goes, you know what, Silas? God's got this, doesn't he? He said, yeah, he's got it. You know what? He's with us, isn't he? Isn't he? He said, yeah, he's with us. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, blessed are you when men cast insults at you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice, therefore, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets before you. I think they remembered those words, and they said, you know what? He told us if we followed him, we'd suffer with him. And then Paul, the thought comes, we're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We're sharing in his fellowship. Oh, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And they said, we're fellowshipping. He's with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always. Even Jesus is right here, and then let's praise him. And they start praying and talking to God. And the prisoners, can you imagine? They're all listening. These crazy Jews, what are they doing? And they're talking to God and praising him. And then they're singing praises to God. And the Holy Spirit is working. And 
They're lying. God was at work. God was at work in Paul and Silas, and they're praising and worshiping and singing. And the prisoners, I think, are listening to them. And I, I, just, I just like to imagine that the prisoners start singing too. And when the guys take a break, they say, hey, this is fun. We've never had singing a sing-along in prison before. Let's sing some more. And they're singing to God be the glory. In the midst of the songs of praise, the jailhouse starts rocking. The walls start shaking. This is the first jailhouse rock. The walls are shaking. And the gates are opening. And prisoners being set free. But they don't leave. And the jailer feels the earthquake, runs into the prison. He knows he's responsible. If they get free, he has to die. And he runs in he, for fear. He thinks, I'll have to take my own life. I'm not going to die at their hands. And Paul and Silas said, hey, we're all still here. Don't hurt yourself. And they bring in the lamps. And, and there's Paul and Silas. The stocks are open. The chains are off. They're all free. The prisoners are all there. They didn't want to leave either. said, we've been having a concert in here. It's been awesome. And in fear, he said, what must I do to be saved? I love this. And Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved and your whole household. And the jailer said, I'm putting my faith in Christ. He brings Paul and Silas home to him. He introduces him to his wife and his sons, his daughters and his family. He's probably a retired military man who's on pension and now serves as a jailer. He brings his family and servants and friends and so he says, these men have told us me the greatest news in all the world. And Paul and Silas share the gospel with them. And they hear the gospel for the first times. Their hearts become warmed. And he said, men, your backs are a mess. Does that hurt? And Silas says, you betcha it hurts. And so he said, let me wash those. He takes them out to the well. And there they pump the water and fill it. And, and he begins to wash their backs. And he says, I want to be baptized. And they pump enough water for him to be baptized and then his son, I think this just happened. His son looks at his daddy. His daddy's life's changed. And he said, I want to be baptized. I'm a follower of Jesus. And the other younger son, I want to be baptized. And maybe a daughter says, I want to be baptized. Before long, the whole family gets saved and follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Isn't that awesome? God's still doing that today. He's still doing that today. Lives have changed. My friends... God's in the business of changing not just a life. He'll change a whole family. He'll change your house. It's unbelievable. Your life will never be the same. I've seen it again and again and again. People's lives are changed by the gospel of Christ. I remember years ago when I was in the first pastorate where I was at, there was a woman who gave her life to Christ, and her, three of her children were saved in Bible school, and then she got saved, and and. And so her husband was an alcoholic, coal miner, and, and his name was T Tommy. And so, uh, so Tom was totally resistant to the gospel. But they were all going to get baptized on a Sunday night, and Tom came to church on a Sunday night, and he watched his wife give her testimony in the baptistry about what Jesus Christ had done to her life and was baptized, tears coming. And then he saw his oldest son baptized, and he saw a stepson baptized, and he saw one of his daughters baptized, and Tom Jordan sat there, and he gripped onto the pew of that 
in that bit meeting that night, and, and as I preached as best I could as a 21-year-old boy, I preached the gospel of Christ, and old Tommy George stepped out and said, I don't know if God could save an alcoholic like me, but I'm giving my life to Christ tonight. And he was saved and baptized. He led 13 coal miners to Christ in the next two years. Isn't that awesome? God does that. God does that. And he's still doing that today. Amen? God's at work. Notice they fellowshiped. It's so interesting. After they've had this washing and ceremony, they sit around the table and they eat and break bread together. Now, I don't think the discussion was, do you think Silas says, um, by the way, <clears throat> is this kosher food? I don't think he did that. Was this meat bought at the market where it might have been a sacrifice? They didn't talk about idols. They didn't think about, all they thought about was the fellowship and the sweetness of spirit. They didn't fuss over their preferences. They weren't questioning about the meal. They were fellowshipping with gladness in their heart in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Amen. What are some takeaways today? Number one, the Holy Spirit leads us. Amen? Those that are His are led by the Spirit. He's leading us. Secondly, the gospel transforms us. Whether you're a slave girl, whether you're a wealthy businesswoman, whether you're a, 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 just a pagan jailer, God changes lives. He liberates us. He sets us free to be all that God's called us to be. And number four, he unites us in his grace. He makes the church one when we focus on Jesus and the grace of the Lord Jesus. God, make us one in Jesus. Amen. The mission is the same for all of us as to these early disciples. Today, I want you to take that card that's in your bulletin. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment in your life. that you'll pray for global missions, that you'll pray for lost people that don't know Christ, that you'll pray about your opportunity of service. I'm going to ask you to give to support missions above our normal offering. Would you give? A little bit every week could add up to be a large gift by the end of a year through our global 52 giving. I'm going to ask you to go, to pray, to give. If you're willing to make a commitment today, I wish you'd just sign your card. I, here's what I might invite you to do. When we sing the next song or two, I'm just going to ask you to bring your card and lay it on the altar and say, God, I'll make a commitment today. Maybe you can't put down a number. That's okay. As a matter of fact, if you just want to write on the back of that card, Brother Andre said this at the missions banquet Friday night. Just write the word yes, meaning, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, my answer to you is yes. You lead me, and I'll go. Let God have his way. Father in heaven, as we prepare to sing now and worship you, I pray that our answer to you would be yes. 
and that we make commitments to go and be on mission. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.